With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Are you tired of endlessly searching for work, applying for jobs, and never hearing back? Job openings vanishing into thin air? What if with just one connection, you could link with dozens of companies that are hiring? What if that connection was a locally owned business ready to help without charging a fee? Express Employment Professionals is your one connection. Go to ExpressPros.com. With endless opportunities, it's time to try something new in your job search. Let Express Employment Professionals help you. Start at ExpressPros.com. Greetings, podcast listeners. I hope you guys had fantastic weekends. We have got a loaded Monday show for you. Albert Breer swings by to talk about the big Antonio Brown trade. How much did the Steelers lose? How much did the Raiders win? And how much money did Antonio Brown pocket? We'll discuss. Also, we will dive into the NCAA tournament with my top eight teams right now as well as a breakdown from Bruce Pearl and Alex Marvez joins us as always. This will be a fun show for you guys. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Hope you enjoy it. Outkick the coverage with Clay Travis live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Good Monday morning, live from the Geico Outkick Studios. Or 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. And we're brought to you by True Car. When it comes to selling or trading in your car, you need to make good choices. And with True Car, you've got a star on your roster. So when you're ready to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car. True Cash offer not available in all areas. It's officially March Madness. We are underway with a lot of wildness. I will run through for you what I think are the seven or eight teams that are still in contention to be a number one seed as we enter the conference tournaments and began what is one of the most fun weeks in all of sports. If you love having games going on at all hours of the day, it's tough to beat this week as well as next week. A couple things that are uh, that are pretty cool off the jump here. Uh, I will be out in Las Vegas for people who are, uh, who are listening across the country uh, for the opening week of the NCAA tournament. We'll be doing the radio show and everything else, but we'll also be live with Lock It In. 
uh, at the MGM Grand Casino on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of next week. If you watch the Lock It In television show at all, uh, this will be the first time we've ever done a live show. So we'll have, I'm not sure exactly what the setup will be or how it will work, but it should be pretty awesome. So if you're uh, fortunate enough or live in the Vegas area, I know we're out there or uh, are in that geographic region and drive in, or if you're uh, of a long way away, but you're making that trip out for the first weekend of the NCAA tournament, which is an incredibly uh, fun time to be sure, then uh, we're going to do some awesome stuff. That's next week. But Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I want to go ahead and let everybody know because obviously there are a ton of people who are big-time March Madness fans listening across the country right now. In addition to the fact that it is conference tournament automatic bid week for many conferences out there, and there were a lot that played over the the past week uh, as well, which has been a, a lot of fun. NFL free agency officially begins at 4 o'clock Eastern on Wednesday. So uh, we are very close to potentially the uh, the yearly carnival that is the free agency process. And that's why the number one story as we start off on Monday and news finally broke about this late on Saturday night as it turned into Sunday was the official trade of Antonio Brown and the Raiders end up being the team that gets him. All right. Now, the fascinating thing about this, irrespective of who makes the move, is to me, this is a undoubted massive win. Massive win for Antonio Brown on the outcome of this uh, of this trade. I think it's secondarily a small win for the Raiders. I'll explain why. I think it's a big loss for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But let's run through some of these details. Antonio Brown went from $0 guaranteed under his old contract to over $30 million guaranteed in his new contract with the Raiders. He got an $11 million extension over three years. And the way that this new contract is designed, he got uh, a a one-year addition and he added... Uh, a lot of money, as we said, guaranteed, but also a decent amount of money overall to now $19.8 million, first among all wide receivers over the next four years. Um, and uh, this is actually pretty interesting too. I wonder as you look at the NFL as a whole, whether this is also further evidence of sometimes how messy contracts have to become in this day and age If you think about the three highest paid non-quarterbacks on a year-by-year basis, they are now Bears linebacker Khalil Mack, who is making $23.5 million a year. Rams defensive lineman Aaron Donald, who's making $22.5 million a year. And now Raiders wide receiver Antonio Brown. Two of those guys held out, Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald. And Antonio Brown demanded a trade. If NFL players outside of the quarterback position want to get paid, then it's very often the case that you have to be willing to really fight it out in an aggressive fashion. Uh, Antonio Brown, by the way, will now count more against the Steelers' salary cap next year while not playing for them than any other wide receiver will count for his own team in all of 2019. Now, it's a one-year big hit, 
But that is pretty, uh, that's pretty wild to think about. You also, as much as John Gruden has been criticized, have to look at this from the Raider perspective, which is they trade Amari Cooper, who obviously was a tremendous success for the Dallas Cowboys, get a first-round pick, now sign Antonio Brown and have to give up a third and a fifth-round pick. Outside of the money situation, which is obviously very high, this means the Raiders have added Antonio Brown and a first-round pick in exchange for Amari Cooper and a third and fifth-round pick, which sounds pretty good in the grand scheme of things. Now, I think the question that is going to loom over this is what's the overall landscape remaining? One, Antonio Brown won massively. I mean, you can dislike the way he left uh, in Pittsburgh. You can dislike everything about uh, the way this story played out, particularly if you are a Steelers fan. But I think it's impossible to argue that Antonio Brown didn't play this about as well as you possibly can. And uh, outside of the gold mustache, I'm not sure there's very much that Antonio Brown did that's not extremely beneficial for him And maybe there are other players out there who see this and think about uh, making the move. Now, the real question is going to be, how is Antonio Brown going to behave if the Raider offense doesn't get him the ball? Remember, uh, the Raiders have not had a receiver with 1,200 or more yards since Jerry Rice in 2002. So if Antonio Brown was unhappy playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger, uh, with uh, with all of the success that the Pittsburgh Steelers had over the years and all of the receptions that he had, how is he going to respond with the Oakland Raiders if the team isn't massively better this coming season and things start to go a little bit awry? That's the big headache, I would say, that is out there. Now, there evidently, by the end of this process, was only – about two or three teams that were really that interested in Antonio Brown. And we'll talk to Albert Breer about this, who wrote a big story on SI.com that went into this uh, went into this trade uh, story and discussions that surrounded it. And he said there were lots of teams that were willing to give up the draft picks that the Raiders gave up. In other words, there were a lot of teams that were like, okay, we understand the value of Antonio Brown. We'll, we'll consider a third and fifth round contract uh, trade. Uh, and, 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 but a lot of people were not willing to sign him to a long-term contract because I believe he turns 31 in July, if I'm not mistaken. And this four-year deal, we'll see whether or not he's passed his prime or if he's still going to be on the upswing when this deal is going to be done. But I think this is a pretty seismic story in general. Now, There's already another little bit of drama. He's not as productive, but Deshaun Jackson wants out of Tampa Bay, if you remember last year, and now the same process that played itself out with Antonio Brown starting to play itself out with Deshaun Jackson down in Tampa Bay where the Bucs don't have very much salary cap. But I want to bring in the crew here as we start the next segment to begin uh, our, uh, our one here as we move into the segment two. I'll bring in the crew. We'll talk about it. We got a Steelers fan and we got a Raiders fan in the crew. We'll find out what uh, what everybody thinks of this deal overall. Um, also, let me give you a roadmap for where we're headed on the Monday edition of the show. 
We've got, like I said, Albert Breer from Sports Illustrated, uh, Monday morning quarterback, who will join us in hour two to talk about NFL looming free agency and every bit of the deal that surrounds uh, Antonio Brown and why it went down the way it did. Uh, In hour three, we've got a busy, loaded guest schedule. Bruce Pearl will join us right off the top uh, of the show. And I'll give you, when we come back, by the way, my top eight teams and the teams that are still in play right now to potentially be number one seeds as the five major conference tournaments get underway. So uh, I will give all that to you guys at the top, and then we'll bring in the crew to talk about Antonio Brown. Uh, Also in Hour 3, Bruce Pearl off the top, and then we'll talk with my guy Alex Marvez as we now are just a little over two days till the start of NFL free agency in addition to all the madness that comes every year in March. Appreciate you guys spending your Monday with us. Up next, breaking down the NFL, the free agency deadline. But more importantly, we'll dive into the top eight right now in the NCAA tournament, how I would seed everyone. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Hey, it's Jonas Knox, and you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o o who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. we got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock, and there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini games like Digging for Treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! What's the secret to catching prize-worthy fish in exotic waters? 
Learning to fish like a local with Fishing Booker. Hey, Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. There's only one way to turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day, and that's with the valuable knowledge of a local guide. With FishingBooker.com, you have the world's largest booking platform of local fishing guides right at your fingertips. Use Fishing Booker's easy-to-use online booking system and discover thousands of local fishing charters from around the world ready to share their tricks of the trade. Create your perfect fishing experience and search for charters by location, species, salt versus freshwater, and more. Plus, it's smooth sailing with Fishing Booker's simple online payment method. You'll always fish with confidence when you start fishing like a local. Start your angling adventure now with Fishing Booker. Visit FishingBooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Firestone tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended installer near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerackcom sports to see their firestone test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerackcom sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. Uh, I am uh, hoping all of you are having a good start to your week. Monday morning here on Outkick, we're breaking down the biggest stories of the weekend. Uh, I thought the biggest story of the weekend, Antonio Brown officially being uh, traded. Second biggest story was the continued uh, excitement that surrounds who's going to be at the top of the brackets come Sunday afternoon when we finish out this week of conference tournaments. And so right now, um, and uh, I'll do this several times this week probably, but coming out of the weekend, here's my top eight. Uh, I pay a lot of attention to college basketball as it shifts into March, as many of you do. Enjoy looking at the resume, considering who's going to be seated where. If I were seating the brackets right now, this is what my top eight would look like. I would have UVA number one overall. UVA, I think, from the start of the season to the end of the season, They won the ACC outright. They have had the best overall season of any team in college basketball. They've lost two games, both to Duke. Uh, Otherwise, they have been basically infallible. Uh, I have got uh, UVA number one overall. My second spot right now, I've got the Zags. I got uh, Gonzaga at uh, my second number one seed. So UVA first, Gonzaga two. Uh, Then they've been on a roll lately, and they took it to Duke again. UNC I've got now as my third number one seed, and as my fourth number one seed, I have got Kentucky. Now, uh, that would be my four number one seeds if the season were ending today again. UVA, Gonzaga, UNC, and Kentucky, one to four in college basketball. My two seeds would be Tennessee, Michigan State, LSU, and Duke. I'm letting Duke hang on there at the very bottom of the two seeds. I think anybody who has Duke right now 
as a number one seed in the conference tournament is crazy. Duke is 3-3 three and three in their last six. The ball hung on the rim against Wake Forest, or they would be 2-4. and four. Zion may return now for the ACC tournament, although that doesn't make a lot of sense to me to suddenly bring him back after he sits out for three weeks to play three straight games, uh, in, 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 which seems crazy. Uh, if uh, Duke goes on to win the ACC tournament, then I would consider them potentially as a one seed at the end if Zion came back and Duke won the NCAA tournament. But nothing we've seen over the last three weeks suggests that Duke is a one seed at all. So again, UVA and Gonzaga, my one, my two, my three is UNC, my four is Kentucky. All of those are one seeds. And then my two seeds, Tennessee, Michigan State, LSU, and Duke. I would say that the final one seed here on my list would be open for whoever can go win the SEC tournament or whoever wins that rubber match between Kentucky and Tennessee, which right now would be projected to happen on Saturday afternoon. Right now, I've got Kentucky in there, but if Tennessee were to win that game, I would bump Tennessee back up to the one seed. If LSU, even without uh, Will Wade, went into Nashville and won the SEC basketball tournament, uh, then I might be uh, willing to consider LSU as a one seed. Although, I do think all of the mess that surrounds LSU right now, it's unlikely that the committee would reward them with a one seed. But if they did win the SEC tournament and they already won the SEC regular season outright, you would have to consider them. So that is uh, that is my breakdown right now. UVA, the Zags, UNC, Kentucky, Tennessee, Michigan State, LSU, and Duke. My top eight in that order. Those are my four one seeds and my four two seeds as we come into conference title uh, weekend, conference tournament weekend. I spent a lot of time over the weekend watching the conference tournaments. Really awesome game yesterday uh, between Liberty and Lipscomb that came down to the wire. Liberty stills the bid. But I was thinking as you run through those NBA scores, how quickly we now have moved. The Lakers and LeBron are basically a dead story as they have officially been effectively eliminated from the playoffs. I don't know whether they're seven or eight games back now, which is wild. But the storyline, I think, in the NBA is going to shift to in the wake of that Golden State performance against the uh, Suns at home. Does Golden State care at all? I think they're like 45 and 20. They're still the overall number one seed in the West. They're a prohibitive favorite, according to odds makers. Golden State, like a minus 220 still favorite to win the NBA championship this year, which would be the third in four years. Or is the NBA actually going to be wild open when the postseason arrives? Is it possible the Houston Rockets can make a run? They're on fire and seem to be playing pretty hard on a night-in and night-out basis. Um, but the only storyline, I, I think, for the NBA as we come down the stretch, and obviously you take a little bit of a pause on uh, on the NBA discussion during March Madness until between basically now and April when the uh, national champion is crowned in college basketball. But the only storyline I see, I understand people who are in the Eastern Conference like, uh, hey, who's going to be in the Eastern Conference uh, win the NBA and advance to the finals now from the Eastern Conference. That's a story. If you're a Bucks or a Celtics or a Raptors, uh, 76ers fan, uh, I understand that being like a, a little bit of a story, but I don't think most people think that team's going to be favored. I think it's all going to be about the Warriors down the stretch. 
do the Warriors have the ability to just flip a switch and go into the NBA into the NBA playoffs and dominate, or is there reason to be nervous about this team this year? I think that is kind of an interesting story that we'll basically put a pin on and circle back around as the uh, as the college basketball situation plays itself out. But I want to start. I want to bring in everybody. Uh, you just heard since it is March Madness. I do think uh, the most interesting story is. Uh, who exactly is going to be seeded where. And the teams that matter the most are the one and two seeds. Uh, I'm going to open it up to everybody, Danny G, Eddie, uh, Dub, and uh, and Roberto. Anybody strongly disagree with any of my top eight right now? UVA is my overall number one of number ones. The Zags, Gonzaga in at number two. UNC is my three uh, third number one seed. Kentucky, my fourth number one seed. Tennessee sliding in at five. They lost to Auburn or else I would have them above Kentucky. But ultimately, I think that Kentucky-Tennessee game, assuming it happens on Saturday, is likely to decide, for me anyway, the final number one seed, Michigan State, LSU, and Duke. Uh, I don't think the ACC is going to deserve three number one seeds. But most importantly, I don't think Duke three and three down the stretch deserves one right now if Zion actually comes back and by the way my conspiracy theory continues to hold out a lot remember I said uh, that when Zion didn't come back for that game against Wake Forest and then he wasn't coming back for a huge game against UNC that it was strange to me that Duke after three weeks would suddenly bring Zion Williamson back to play in the ACC tournament evidently that's what they're going to do they're bringing a guy with a knee injury off the uh, off the three-week uh, uh, hiatus, and they're going to let him play in three straight games on back-to-back-to-back days, theoretically, if Duke advances to the final. That seems a little bit crazy to me, but evidently that's what Duke people are saying. I continue to believe that the story here may very well be that Duke is not bringing back Zion at all, and they want the committee to think that they are for seeding purposes because Duke without Zion's just not very good. All right, who feels strongly? Anybody think my top eight is wrong? Again, running through it, UVA, the Zags, UNC, Kentucky, Tennessee, Michigan State, LSU, and Duke in that order. Mm, no, I like it. It's nice to hear you give UNC some love. They were missing on your list a couple weeks ago. And I was wondering about Michigan State, but you got to them. So, no, your list seems cool right now. I mean, I think that's a pretty solid top eight in general. And by the way, I, I did. We came on on Friday's show, and I told you that I thought Will Wade would be suspended and that so would Smart, the player in the Yahoo story. We had Dan Wetzel on uh, Friday's show, and uh, that ended up happening. And I think anybody out there who didn't expect that to happen wasn't really paying a lot of attention to this story in general. There is a uh, intriguing additional storyline out there where – Sean Miller appeared to basically say goodbye to Arizona fans as well as if he doesn't anticipate returning as uh, as their coach out in Arizona either, which uh, which is an intriguing story. Dub, you're a pretty big college basketball fan. Any disagreement with my top eight? No disagreements really, but I'll just be interested to see what they do with LSU, uh, assuming that Will Wade will still be suspended and also the the player Smart will will not will not be there as well. Yeah, I, I think the, the LSU story is going to be an intriguing one. Their side of the bracket in the SEC 
is not very difficult. Other, you know, when you consider Tennessee and uh, and Kentucky are the two and the three, uh, that side of the bracket is pretty stacked. LSU theoretically would be playing against South Carolina for a chance to go to the championship game. Maybe Auburn, uh, who's playing pretty well, won four games down the stretch. Bruce Pearl will be with us at the start of hour three on the show today. So maybe Auburn has a uh, chance to make a run out of that side of the bracket. Maybe somebody else will uh, will kind of catch lightning in a bottle. But uh, but I do think that that's a, a really messy situation for the NCAA to try to figure out exactly how to value LSU with a player suspended with, uh, with Will Wade out uh, as the coach. Um, I, I don't think there's an easy solution there. All right, let's pivot. Unless, unless either Roberto or uh, or Eddie Garcia is fired up about something in my top eight right now in the world of college basketball, let's pivot here for a minute back to the Antonio Brown case. And uh, and I, I know there are a lot of people out there just waking up, bleary eyed, uh, time change crossed over. But I do think this is a big win for Antonio Brown. I think if you look at this scenario, there are three people involved in in this trade. Antonio Brown, the player, the Raiders who are making the decision to trade for him, and the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think it remains to be seen whether the Raiders got uh, any substantial asset in terms of the team becoming a lot better. But I think Antonio Brown certainly won, and I think the Pittsburgh Steelers certainly lost, with the Raiders kind of hanging in the middle ground there. Antonio Brown won in a big way, and I went over these numbers earlier, but I'm just I'm just stunned by how well he managed to come out of this situation. He goes from zero dollars as Antonio Brown to just over thirty million guaranteed. He gets an eleven million dollar raise over three years, and he gets a now four year contract, which will be worth seventy nine point two million dollars. That's 19.8 uh, annual preferred per year, which makes Antonio Brown the third highest paid player outside of the quarterback position in the NFL behind Khalil Mack and behind Aaron Donald. Uh, Antonio Brown wins in a big way. The Steelers lose, I think, in a big way. They only have a third and a fifth round pick in exchange for him. Plus, at least for this one year going forward, Antonio Brown won't be playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he will count $21 million against their salary cap, which is more than any other wide receiver will count for the actual team he's playing for in 2019. So that kind of puts it all into context. Danny G, you're a Raider fan. What would you put this on the scale of 1 to 10 from a Raider perspective? We know that Antonio Brown won. Yeah. We know that the Steelers lost. To me, the only uncertainty here is exactly where the Raiders fit in in terms of this overall deal. Well, it's a really good start for Mike Mayock, who we all know is a sharp guy but didn't have any experience in the front office of an NFL team. So this uh, is a really good first move for him. John Gruden's a really good fit for now with Antonio Brown. We know there's a lot of respect between the two of those guys. Last year... When, you know, Gruden didn't even know Antonio Brown would be available, he was on record as saying when he visited teams as a broadcaster, he thought Antonio Brown was the hardest worker he ever saw in a practice. And then the bromance between Antonio Brown and Derek Carr, I mentioned right here on the show 
last week. So we know the two of them get along. Now, you mentioned if they can't get the ball to Brown enough, that might start some waves. But Gruden seems to be the, the type of coach where he's brought in veteran receivers in the past like Jerry Rice and Andre Risen and Keyshawn Johnson in Tampa Bay and he got them the damn ball he was able to do that he seems like the type of coach where he tells these veteran receivers look I'll get you your touches I'll get you the ball but you got to do this xyz for me so as long as he could keep that going good with Antonio Brown hopefully his erratic behavior he showed in the past on the sideline will keep to a minimum. Here's the question I have. Is this a sign that John Gruden believes in Derek Carr, or is this, because the Raiders still have a bunch of first-round picks, is this a smokescreen and they could still be interested in Kyler Murray or someone else in that you know first-round area to package some of those picks and go get a quarterback too? Do you think, because to me when I see this, I think if you're going to trade for Antonio Brown, and I said this all last week, I said you have to know who your quarterback is, in my opinion, and you probably want him to be a veteran because I don't want to bring in a rookie quarterback and have him have to deal with the pressure of trying to get the ball to Antonio Brown. I just don't think it makes sense. I didn't think it made sense for the Bills, and we talked about this on Friday, for Josh Allen in year two to suddenly have to deal with Antonio Brown. I think you need a veteran quarterback to deal with him I see this as a pretty good vote. Maybe I'm wrong, but a pretty good endorsement for the idea that John Gruden could believe in Derek Carr. You buying that or no? Buying that. In fact, when the season was ending last year, I said that I think the second half of that season proved that Derek Carr was getting Gruden's system. It took half the season for him to get there with Gruden, but quietly in that second half of the season, Derek Carr was starting to look like his old self a little bit. He finished the season with over 4,000 throwing yards. Not enough touchdowns to make Raider fans happy, but hopefully that'll improve now. You've seen that stat being kicked around where Antonio Brown himself had more touchdowns than all the wide receivers on the Raiders put together last season. So Derek Carr does need to get that ball down the field now. So what the Raiders really need to focus on in this offseason besides their defense, which a lot of those draft picks are going to go to get some solid players, some good players on D. But they also need to beef up that offensive line. So Derek Carr has time to throw. He can kind of get rid of that happy feet. He's had a big problem the past season and a half with you know, taking hits or thinking he's going to take a hit even when there's no one near him. So if the Raiders can get that O-line, they had a couple of rookies on the line, Last season, it looks like now they're going to move Parker to the inside because they've agreed with the Jets to to send uh, Osemele over. So that clears up a lot of cap space, which started the rumors yesterday that they could be in the hunt to get Le'Veon Bell to bring the Killer Bees back together. Now, if they could get a star running back and beef up that offensive line so that Derek Carr really feels protected, he'll have time to get Antonio Brown the ball down the field, which will be fun to watch. We'll talk about this more and continue to unpack the move. I'll bring in Eddie Garcia, who is a Steelers fan, and get his vibe on this. Uh, Again, loaded show in hour two. We will talk with Albert Breer, who wrote about this, the -the behind-the-scenes machinations that led Antonio Brown to the Raiders. What do we expect? Also, in hour three, Bruce Pearl and Alex Marvez set to join us. So we have got a uh, loaded show. 
But we'll continue to unpack Antonio Brown when we come back. I am Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back in. Appreciate all of you spending your Monday morning with us. Want to bring in Eddie Garcia, who is a Steeler fan here, and get his take. Le'Veon Bell has receded into the background, although come uh, the 13th, he will be, which is uh, what Wednesday at 4 o'clock Eastern when the NFL uh, uh, free agency officially begins, there will be probably a substantial rush to figure out where he is going to end up. And certainly the Steelers in general. If you look at the NFL, you can make a strong case that the exit of Le'Veon Bell, his refusal to play, sitting out when he was going to be franchise tagged, everything surrounding Le'Veon Bell, in conjunction with Antonio Brown, is as bad of a mismanagement, disagreement, discord situation as we have seen with star players in the NFL in a very, very long time. And I know that Mike Tomlin has had a lot of success with the Steelers, but he has to bear some of the blame for effectively, I mean, think about this crazy, crazily from a Steelers perspective, effectively Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown are going to walk and in exchange for those two guys, you're going to get a third and a fifth round player, uh, draft picks. So maybe those third and fifth rounders will turn out to be studs, but that's about as bad of a talent loss as a team has had in recent uh, history that I can remember. Now, certainly the other aspect of this is they became such malcontents, such issues in the locker room that I think a lot of Steeler fans are like, yeah, Antonio Brown, good riddance. And it's fair to say and point out, the Steelers have been phenomenal at drafting wide receivers in general. Juju Smith-Schuster may step in based on how he performed with Antonio Brown out, and it may be a case that the Steelers don't even miss Antonio Brown at all. Maybe maybe they can go out and draft somebody uh, early, and they'll bring in another stud, and Steeler fans won't even miss him. And certainly James Conner came in and played really well with Le'Veon Bell out and all that. And maybe there'll be less drama and more success for the Steelers this upcoming season. But in general, that's about as mismanaged of a locker room situation as you can have when you have an all-pro running back who refuses to play for you and an all-pro wide receiver who refuses to play for you as well. Something is broken in the Steeler locker room. What's the vibe right now you think Eddie Garcia for Steeler fans out there? Well, I will definitely agree with you that losing two incredibly talented players like that uh, in back-to-back years is unbelievable. When you and getting nothing for them, basically. pretty much, yeah, pretty much. But I don't know what the Steelers could have done differently. Um, Le'Veon Bell wanted a new contract, and they weren't going to pay him the money he wanted. I don't think any team in the NFL would have paid him the money he's looking for. He's looking for number one wide receiver money because he doesn't feel he's just a running back. He feels he is a playmaker, and he needs to be paid at a certain level that no running back's getting paid at, other than, I guess, maybe Todd Gurley. But I think the Rams might even be looking back on that and thinking that was a mistake. But I don't know what the Steelers could have done differently. Uh, And apparently, I mean, uh, Antonio Brown, they placated him for many years for a lot of the things he did and let him get away with it, and which was fine. Things on the sidelines and arguments and, you know, live streaming uh, locker room speeches after games. He did all kinds of things they didn't like, but they let him get away with it because he's so talented. But not showing up for practices and walkthroughs at the end of the season 
and then basically showing up at the game and say, oh, I'm ready to play now. And then, they, of course, they had to say, well, you're not going to play because you haven't shown up as you're required to do. I don't, I don't know what else Mike Tomlin could have done differently in that whole situation. It is interesting that I do think that Mike Tom. yes, you can say, look, I don't know what he could have done differently, but the, the question would be, how do you allow it to get to that point? Right. Once everything is broken and Antonio Brown is throwing a fit and he and Ben Roethlisberger are not getting along, usually when you get to the point where you have an eruption, there's several different steps along the way where you could theoretically step in and try to stop that eruption from happening. Now, maybe Antonio Brown is going to go to the Raiders and John Gruden is going to be so great at managing him and his ego that he's going to have no issues whatsoever. Maybe he's going to be happy with this new contract that he's got. But that, to me, will be a really interesting test because I don't know that we've ever seen anything like this purely from a Steeler perspective where you have a guy as good as Le'Veon Bell leaving with no compensation and choosing to sit out for an entire season. And you have a guy as good as Antonio Brown effectively leaving with no compensation. Because I think getting a third and fifth round pick... I think if you told the Steelers right now, and I'm curious if you'd agree with this, uh, Eddie Garcia, if you told them you don't get the third and the fifth round pick, but you don't have to take on Antonio Brown's 20 mil, 21 million plus contract uh, you know, next year, don't you think the Steelers would infinitely rather have the 21 million to spend than they would the third and the fifth round pick? I don't know that because the Steelers traditionally are not a team that or an organization that is active in free agency. They usually build their team through the draft, and they usually draft pretty well, as you talked about with some of their wide receivers in the past. So with with most teams, I would agree with you, but I'm not sure the Steelers fit the mold for that. Well, the, re- the reason why I'm saying that is if they would agree to that, I think that cancels out. The $21 million that you have to take on for net this coming season and still have him on the salary cap books – I think it cancels out the third and the fifth round pick such that we're left basically with the Steelers losing Le'Veon Bell and losing Antonio Brown and getting absolutely nothing for them. You know, they basically just allowed them to walk out because of the salary cap situation. I think the third and fifth round picks are effectively canceled out. Uh, When we come back, hour one in the books, we got a loaded hour two. We'll talk with Albert Breer. Hour three, we got Bruce Pearl, and uh, we have got Alex Marvez on the horizon. NFL, college basketball, we're all in on both. This is Outkick, the coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. And we're brought to you by True Car. When it comes to selling or trading in your car, you need to make good choices and with True Car, you've got a star on your roster. So when you're ready to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car. True Cash offer not available in all areas. We are off and rolling. Hour one in the books. Encourage you, as always, to make sure you download the podcast, search out Outkick, and you can be well on your way to uh, to making sure you don't miss any of the show at all. We'll be joined by Albert Breer coming up in the uh, next segment. Sports Illustrated writer who tracked the Antonio Brown sweepstakes substantially did a behind-the-scenes story there to take us through everything surrounding Antonio Brown. So we will talk to him next. Certainly uh, March Madness on uh, the uh, the cusp uh, here 
as we come into conference uh, tournament week for the major conferences. My top eight uh, teams right now, if I were on the NCAA selection committee in order, UVA, Gonzaga, UNC, Kentucky, Tennessee, Michigan State, LSU, and Duke would be my one to eight. A lot of movement still uh, in play here, potentially, depending on what outcomes occur in these conference tournaments. But that is the way that I would break it down as we enter the conference tournaments. Again, UVA, Gonzaga, UNC, Kentucky, Tennessee, Michigan State, LSU, and Duke. Uh, Interesting story in the NBA. Uh, The Golden State Warriors last night lost to the tanking and awful Phoenix Suns. Now, to be fair to the Phoenix Suns, they've actually won a decent number of games here lately. They managed to beat the Milwaukee Bucks, who are the overall number one seed right now in the Eastern Conference. And they just beat on the road the Golden State Warriors, the number one team in the Western Conference. During that game, there was a video. uh, Steve Kerr was caught on the sideline saying, I'm so sick of Draymond, basically. Uh, If you haven't seen that video, it was uh, was pretty interesting to see just because, uh, (laughs) I mean, it kind of eliminates uh, everything about uh, that story. So, uh, and, and, and what's going on there? Draymond Green, obviously, is part of the uh, the big-time talent that is on the Golden State Warriors. And so, there's the question out there. And in fact, I think we have audio from Clay Thompson lamenting the way that the crowd responded in Oracle. But there's the question out there of whether or not the Golden State Warriors are just bored with the regular season. They've got whatever it is, 15 or 18 games left in the regular season until the NBA playoffs start and they're just going through the motions, or whether this is symptomatic of larger issues at play for the Golden State uh, Warriors. And I'm not sure exactly what the storyline is here, but when you got your coach on the sideline talking about how sick he is of one of your top players, when you've got a little bit of a feud, it seems, going on between Steve Kerr and Kevin Durant over what exactly... The motivation is for the team to be playing well. The Warriors are still right now the number one seed in the West, but it does definitely does not feel like a really joyous basketball season so far this year for the Golden State Warriors. And maybe it's just going through the motions. It's a long season. The Warriors have won a lot of titles. They feel like they have a pretty good claim on uh, on championships. And so there isn't a reason to really care that much about March basketball or even April basketball, and that could go for a lot of the NBA overall. But I thought these comments from Clay Thompson were pretty strange. That, look, you're the, what, three of the last four years you've won the championship. The only year that you lost the championship, you lost Game 7 at home. This is the last year you're going to be playing at Oracle until you move into a new arena in San Francisco but it's strange to me that Clay Thompson would be upset by the way the crowd is responding when you guys just lost to the worst team in the NBA at home. Here is Clay Thompson. I expect our crowd to be a little more into it too. Like I know it's not the playoffs, but it is our last go around at Oracle. At least you can stand up if something we make a good play, especially in the beginning. We need that energy, especially this time of the year. It's hard to conjure up energy every single night because you're looking forward to the playoffs and that run. So we expect our fans to kind of, you know, bring that from the jump. You can't, I mean, it's like us, though. You can't bring it every night, but still, it helps when it doesn't matter if we're playing the Suns or the Bucks, whoever it is, we need that energy from them because we feed off that. That's Clay Thompson. Do you guys, I want to bring in the crew 
because I think I, I opened off the first hour and I said the NBA storyline as we come down towards the close of the regular season, it's amazing how quickly the Lakers have just gotten to- tossed on the garbage bin of refuse, right? The Lakers and their playoff chase and everything else, LeBron, no longer a story. We're turning the page. I think that was the big story for basically the last month was were the Lakers going to be able to make the playoffs? Now the Lakers are not going to be able to make the playoffs. Injuries, LeBron James, basically a non-factor here. He's going to step off the stage. And I think the big question that's going to be lingering out there is, are the Golden State Warriors good enough? Uh, Do they care enough to still be considered a prohibitive favorite in the NBA once the playoffs begin? Golden State, I mean, really has gone through the motions throughout this season. But you look at them right now, and even with that awful home defeat to, let's be honest, an awful team, they're still in really good shape. It seems like every now and then they just decide to tell the Denver Nuggets, hey, we can beat you guys whenever we want. We're not going to allow you necessarily to have overall home uh, court advantage. But they don't really seem to care about whether they even have home court advantage. Uh, right now, the Bucks have the best record in basketball. The Raptors have the second best record in basketball. The Golden State Warriors have the third best record. Uh, but they're 45 and 21. And again, uh, with 16 games to play, do you think there's any reason at all to be nervous? Their record at home and away is basically the exact same. They're going to be, it would appear, the number one seed in the be the number one seed in the Western Conference. But again, I they're playing as if they don't really care about this at all. Danny G, any reason at all to be nervous if you are a Golden State Warrior fan that this is potentially not going to be another championship? Vegas is telling us right now there's zero to worry about. They are minus 220 to win uh, the NBA title, which is about where they've been all year, a prohibitive favorite. Is there any reason to hit the panic button? No, I, I don't think so. I think this just proves our point. We've talked about it on the show before, how we all agree, all of us, that the NBA season is just too long. Yeah. This proves it. The Warriors checked out weeks ago, and imagine if the season was shorter, we would have had all the LeBron drama at the end of what the season should have been. I mean, if the season starts at Christmas and, say, ended two weeks ago, how exciting would that have been? Instead, we have all these extra weeks where teams are just going through the motions. You don't know if star players are going to play enough. So families who spend their hard-earned money on tickets to see some of these stars don't even get to watch them play at the end of the season. There's now this what they're calling load management now, which is a joke. And we see this every single NBA season. My favorite season of all time was the strike-shortened NBA season. That was my favorite season because it felt right. That amount of time was what the NBA regular season should be. So what I'm thinking is, because NBA tickets are expensive anyways, I know the owners don't want to lose money off of these regular season games. Could we just put some kind of tax onto NBA regular season tickets so that they still recoup some of that money, but the season is shortened down to where it should be in a perfect world how long do you think the NBA regular season should be 50 games honestly I mean I think you could knock out 30 of the NBA games and uh and and if you went with 50 games 
I think that probably would be around like you, you just think about the way that that would space itself out a 50 game NBA regular season. I mean, the problem in general is right now you play 82 games to eliminate 14 teams, right? 16 teams advance to the postseason. So there are 30 NBA teams. You play 82 games to eliminate less than half the league. And then you have a long playoff period uh, where, let's be honest, there t- it's not like it's hockey where when you get into the NBA playoffs, you have a lot of upsets where an eight seed suddenly shocks a one seed. It happens every, 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 every now and then, and much less uh, frequently now because it used to be a five game. You guys remember out there who are longtime basketball fans, used to be a five game opening round uh, NBA series, and then they took that away when you had some upsets like the Denver Nuggets knocking out. Uh, I think it was the, the Sonics the years, years past. And every now and then you get a Golden State Warriors with Don Nelson knocking out. I think that was the Dallas Mavericks were the number one overall seed years and years ago. But by and large, uh, the the top teams advance in the NBA. So I think if you had a 50-game regular season, that's probably about what the number should be instead of 82. I think the, the games would matter a lot more. I don't think you would ever have best players just sitting games out. I mean, this is this is what's crazy. And I maybe am particularly attuned to it because we do a daily gambling show. It's almost impossible to bet NBA regular season because a lot of times you don't know who's going to even play even on the day of the game. And uh, I think if that's the case, if you have all these guys sitting out games and you hit on it, I mean, I think that's a major issue for families. If you're saving up for to take your family to a game to go watch your favorite player and then he doesn't play, I mean, I think we know in Major League Baseball because there's 162 games that occasionally guys sit out of Major League Baseball games, but at least uh, it seems like there's a, a lot of affordable tickets in Major League Baseball. You can sit way up in the bleacher seats and, and, and way up at the top in Major League Baseball and not have to pay that much. The NBA is really expensive uh, for an average family of four or five. You're taking your kids, your wife, everybody else. Um, so I, I, think that's a, I think that's a major issue. Uh, but uh, other rest of the crew, do you guys feel like it is a concern. Eddie Garcia, is there any reason why with the Warriors now sitting at 45 and 20 and you know complaining about their fans and losing at home to, uh, to the Phoenix Suns, do you still feel like the Warriors are a prohibitive favorite or do you think there's something, uh, something wrong here? No, I'm not ready to go there yet. I still think they are definitely the favorite. I still think they have the ability to turn it on when it matters most. And, I mean, Kevin Durant did leave that game when it was tied in the fourth quarter and didn't return. I'm sure that didn't help things down the stretch. Maybe if he stays in the game, maybe if he's healthy, they end up winning that game. And Phoenix, uh, they beat Milwaukee, the best, the team with the best record in the league the other night. So they're not a pushover of late. But, no, I'm not ready to hit the panic button if I'm a, if I'm a Warriors fan. What do you think about the sweet spot for the number of games that should be played? I would say around 60, 50 to 60 would be would be good. Yeah, I mean, in general. I mean, that's basically twice what you play in college basketball. And I feel like there aren't that many people who watch college basketball and say, hey, you know, what we need is 30 more college basketball games. I mean, I, I think that would be pretty crazy. And obviously, the reason they do it is for money. But I think at some point, the money starts to dilute your overall brand value and when you got guys sitting out for a new phrase called load management, I mean, I think that's a big issue. Dub, what would you do? The, do the Warriors have anything to be afraid of? And what would be like the sweet spot for an NBA regular season? 
Yeah, no concern for the Warriors. I mean, these guys don't care about these regular season games. Once the playoff starts, they'll turn it on. And uh, to me, I, th- I think around 60 to 65 games would be a sweet spot for me. I think that gives you know teams a chance to play everybody in the other conference at least once and you know maybe play uh, two or three games against uh, the teams in your own conference. Yeah, I don't know if they would ever do it. Um, I, I do feel like, uh, in general, as there are more and more entertainment options out there, this could become a major issue for the NBA in terms of if I'm going to sit back and watch the latest episode of Ozarks or an NBA regular season game, if I don't feel like the team cares, why should I care? That's kind of my big big thing in general for the regular season. If I feel like, and that's why I don't even like betting on NBA regular season right now, and I've, I've spent a lot of time betting the NBA regular season more so than usual. Uh, I like to bet the NBA playoffs because you know you're going to get a top uh, effort. But if I compare it with, uh, with college basketball, I feel like the college basketball kids may lose, but they're basically giving their all. They only play a couple of games a week. I feel like you're going to get their A-game effort certainly down the stretch of the season. And I feel the same thing is true, certainly about college football in the NFL. And I don't think it's any coincidence that both college football and the NFL are much more popular than the NBA because you may not, you don't know what's going to happen, but it's not very often you watch a team play and you say, oh, that team just had no interest in playing at all. Um, and any of the NFL or college football, they can play poorly but it's not very often you're like, hey, that team would have, if they could have voted, they would have chosen not to play this game. Uh, and I feel like that about the NBA a lot. Uh, Roberto, what number is the sweet spot for you? Like if you were in charge of the NBA right now and you could pick a number, what would be that number? 62. 62 instead of 82? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's a fair approximation. Uh, all right, when we come back, so in general and also our consensus is that none of this matters. Basically, that all the Warriors losing at home. Yeah, they're just going through the motions right now. To the Phoenix Suns. I mean, think about the way that we would handle this if, say, we did. I mean, the New England Patriots lose a home game. Everybody's talking. If they lost, if the New England Patriots lost a home game to the worst team in the NFL, it would be a major, like, all hands on deck moment. And if your team, even if they are uh, not that good, lost a home team a home game in the NFL to the worst team in the entire league, it would be an oh-my-God moment. We're going to have to fire the coach. What's gone wrong? It happens in the NBA, and everybody just shrugs their shoulders, and I think that's because there's not a lot of drama and also because the season is just way too long. When we come back, we're going to dive back into this Antonio Brown story. Who won in a big way? Who lost in a big way? Albert Breer will take us behind the scenes and let us know the totality of this story. And also, I'm actually curious about this. Who is the next guy who may look at Antonio Brown and think to himself, this is what I've got to do to get paid too and blow up his relationship with his existing team? We'll talk about that more. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. And you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o O'Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield? 
wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service, they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you'll find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts are knowledgeable, helpful, and best of all, friendly. And by the way, I was just at O'Reilly not that long ago, within the last month, and guess what? Needed some help with the alternator, had some questions with the batteries, they helped me right away, and did it right there in the parking lot. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. we got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes. Cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. Hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini-games like Digging for Treasure or a Robot Pachinko Machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! What's the secret to catching prize-worthy fish in exotic waters? Learning to fish like a local with Fishing Booker. Hey, Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. There's only one way to turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day, and that's with the valuable knowledge of a local guide. With FishingBooker.com, you have the world's largest booking platform of local fishing guides right at your fingertips. Use Fishing Booker's easy-to-use online booking system and discover thousands of local fishing charters from around the world ready to share their trip of the trade. Create your perfect fishing experience and search for charters by location, species, salt versus freshwater, and more. Plus, it's smooth sailing with Fishing Booker's simple online payment method. You'll always fish with confidence when you start fishing like a local. Start your angling adventure now with Fishing Booker. Visit FishingBooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of BF Goodrich tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. It doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com sports to see their BF Goodrich test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. And be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires and a great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash sports. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be.
Monday morning edition. I'll kick the coverage. We're joined now by Albert Breer. You can read his work at Sports Illustrated. He has been covering this Antonio Brown drama very, very well. Uh, we bring in him now. Uh, Albert, this is a crazy story. You basically have pointed out what we talked about, open the show. Big win for Antonio Brown. Maybe a big win for the Oakland Raiders. Certainly a big loss for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And when you think about it, the Steeler franchise right now, they have lost Le'Veon Bell and they have lost Antonio Brown. And the compensation they've gotten for those two guys is a third round and a fifth round pick. And I'm not even sure you can count that compensation since they have to count 21 million of this Antonio Brown contract against themselves on the salary cap this year. I bet they would rather give up those picks and have back that 21 million. How much of a calamity is this for the Steelers and how do we get here? Well, it's an issue going forward for them, too. I, this has always been who the Steelers have been, Clay. I mean, if you you can go back to the 70s. Um, it's been one of the most player-friendly environments in the NFL. They've always been able to absorb big personalities. It's the reason why they hire these battleship commander-type head coaches. Guys like Chuck Noll and, and Bill Cowher and, and Mike Tomlin because it allows them to cast a wider net from a talent perspective. It's, they've always been able to, to handle – bigger, louder personalities, and this is the first time I can remember where it really boiled over like this. And so, you know, not only did they lose both players, not only is the return not great, not only do those players really, you know, play the leverage game on them, you know, now they got to kind of go back and say, okay, how do we reset here? Because there's been an example set in that building now um, with, you know, these two star players that, you know, if you want to force your way out of town, there's a way to do it. And so, I mean, I, I think beyond just the problem that they have in losing the players and the problem that they have with the return, there's also the more global issue, which relates back to who they've been over the last four or five decades. So here's the question that I have, and, and we'll get into some of the impact potentially for the Raiders here momentarily, but if you are right now in the NFL and you want to get a big contract, you hinted at this, you have to be willing to get a little bit into the mud if you're something other than a quarterback. I know quarterbacks are so valuable that teams seem like they dive in. But the three yep. highest paid players in the NFL by average per year, you tweeted this out, Bears, Khalil Mack, $23.5 million. We know how bad it got between him and Oakland before he got the trade to the Bears. Aaron Donald held out uh, issue there a little bit, less so, but somewhat, with the uh, with certainly the L.A. Rams, and now uh, Antonio Brown getting just shy of $20 million. Who is the next player out there seeing this happen and saying, okay, I'm going to follow the Antonio Brown uh, roadmap. I see what I have to do in order to be able to get big money. I can't just, I got to rock the boat. I got to create a stir, and ultimately this is going to work out for me just like it worked out for Antonio Brown because I do think – you have to say, in the end, Antonio Brown and his representation, they won here. They got more money. They got to leave. He got freedom. He got, I mean, got everything that he was asking for. I mean, I don't know if it'll get as ugly as the um, as the Antonio Brown situation. I would keep an eye on Julio Jones in Atlanta. Um, you know, he got a raise last year, basically out of nowhere, and he was promised they'd redo his deal this year. The market's now been re- reset for non-quarterbacks. Um, and so... Um, the, the, the Falcons have a lot of players they've got to take care of, and now they're on the clock. They promised Julio Jones that they would take care of him. Is he going to show up in April if he doesn't have a new contract? I think it's a fair question to ask. 
And I know some other teams have sort of been sniffing around what could happen there. Again, it's not Julio's personality to raise hell the way that Antonio Brown raised hell, but I mean, it's, he's certainly shown over the last couple of years that he's willing to to kind of put his feet in the ground and 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 and, and go with, go against you know where where where, uh, where the team stands. And so I I think Julio is one to keep an eye on. Michael Thomas, you know, is another one who I think is going to be able to demand a lot of money based on his production going into a contract year and you know you look at other players in the 2016 uh, you know draft class Joey Bosa um, with the Chargers is a guy who held out um, all the way into August his rookie year and has a dad who was a professional athlete and understands the business and so you know if Joey Bosa wants to get in the neighborhood of, of Khalil Mack and, um, and, and Aaron Donald you know, he could certainly say, I deserve to be there. I'm eligible for a contract now, and, and I don't want to wait. Um, you know, and so there are certainly a number of players where you could look at where they're at. You can look at their recent history, and you could say, not only do these guys have the leverage to do it, but they probably also have the willingness to go through with it, too, which is, as you know, a huge part of it, because there are lots of other players that, that wouldn't be willing to do um, exactly what guys like Mack and Donald and Brown have done. We're talking to Albert Breer, senior NFL reporter, lead content strategist at the Monday Morning Quarterback. You can follow him on Twitter at Albert Breer. Appreciate him waking up early with us. Let's uh, let's go into the Raider decision here now. So John Gruden got destroyed last year over trading Khalil Mack and over trading Amari Cooper. But let's just look at the wide receiver position. Effectively, what the Raiders have done now is yep. they have moved uh, Amari Cooper and gotten a first-round pick for him. And now they have added Antonio Brown and given up a third and fifth round pick. So if you just look at the wide receiver position, what the Raiders have done is they have gotten Antonio Brown and a first round pick in exchange for Amari Cooper and a third and a fifth round pick. It doesn't look like an insanity now. It looks like there is a method to potentially the Raider madness. Now, obviously, they're having to pay Antonio Brown a lot of money. But when you see this move by the Raiders, what do you think about his impact, number one, are you nervous yeah. about the four-year, given the fact that he's going to turn 31 in in July? And what does this say about the future of Derek Carr with the Raiders in your mind? Well, I really like Derek Carr. I've talked to Mike Mann about this a couple of times over the last few weeks. They really like Derek Carr. And the one thing that he wouldn't do is he wouldn't rule out the idea that they would look for an upgrade at any position. So, say John Gruden really loves Kyler Murray and the Cardinals decide they're not going to take Kyler Murray, is it impossible that they take him with the fourth overall pick? No. Uh, but I do think that they like Derek Carr and, and everything I understand. I mean, they, uh, but Carr and Gruden got off to a rough start last year. And there were a lot of people in that building who believed that what Derek Carr needed was tough coaching. And so it was rocky in the beginning, but they really had a breakthrough in midseason. And if you look at his numbers over the last two months, they were really, really good. So, I think the likelihood is that they go forward with cars as a quarterback. And then, you know, if you want to look at, 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 at Cooper versus Brown, uh, to me, it's all boiled down to who's a blue chip player and who's not. And for better or worse, the Raiders determined that they didn't want to pay Amari Cooper $17, $18 million a year, which is what it was going to cost to keep him. And so, you know, they decide rather than holding on to Cooper and getting the last year and a half of his rookie contract, that they'd turn around and, and, and try to get a return for him. And they got a great return for him because he's so young. And in exchange, they're able to bring in a guy who they do believe is a blue-chip player, who they do believe is worth a top-of-the-market contract. And that's the way a lot of NFL teams are building now, Clay, is that 
they're willing to invest big money. They're willing to invest at the top of the market in blue chip players, but they're a lot more leery about the idea of going all in on a guy who might be a red chip guy. What do you think the relationship will be like between John Gruden, Derek Carr, and Antonio Brown as compared to Ben Roethlisberger, Mike Tomlin, and Antonio Brown? What's going to be different in Oakland, or do you think we'll see some of the same issues emerge in Oakland that we saw with Antonio Brown in Pittsburgh? Yeah, I think one thing that gives John Gruden confidence is that he handled older receivers at the end of his at the end of their careers. Uh, the first time around in Oakland. Um, now, this didn't work out with Keyshawn Johnson in, in, in Tampa, but, you know, the first time around in Oakland, he effectively managed Tim Brown and Jerry Rice, two of the, two of the better receivers of all time, and got the most out of them um, later in, in, in their careers. And I know that's one thing that gives him confidence, that not only is he going to be able to manage Antonio Brown's ego, but he'll also be able to get more out of them than maybe anybody else would be able to deep into his 30s. He'll be able to manage him in an effective way where, you know, he'll be able to continue to be productive. And so, um, you know, whether or not that holds true, we'll see. It's different handling an athlete today than it was 20 years ago, um, even the great ones. And so um, whether or not Gruden can pull it off, we'll see. I know he's always had confidence in his ability to manage the big personalities. And, you know, Brown's certainly a different challenge. But I think based on his experience with guys like Rice and Brown all those years ago, he thinks he can pull it off. Where does Le'Veon Bell end up? I don't know that Le'Veon Bell gets what he thinks he's going to get. Now, the market's going to be crazy in some other areas. Like There are going to be a couple pass rushers who aren't necessarily stars who are going to get paid huge money. Um, I think you're going to see the slot receivers get paid around $9, $10 million a year, which is nuts compared to what they've made historically. Um, I like I my my sense has been that let the, the the market's pretty soft for Le'Veon Bell. Now it only takes one team to go to fifteen or sixteen million dollars a year, uh, but I, I think more than not, what I've found is that the teams that are kind of tipping tipping their toe in that pool are looking at around eleven twelve million per. And so you know I think you know your Jets, your Tampa, uh, those those teams, Oakland, Baltimore are sort of hanging around, waiting to see if the price is where they think it's going to be. Um, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, as Monday turns into Tuesday and ter- Tuesday turns into Wednesday, if, you know, Le'Veon and his agent can set off some kind of bidding war because it just hasn't been like that with him over the course of the last couple of weeks. At least the teams that are in it feel like the market's pretty soft right now for him. You mentioned guys who you think are going to get really big contracts. Um, we're in the middle of March Madness. I know the yep. NFL is the straw that stirs the drink, but there's probably a lot of people out there who are really not that aware of who the guys are coming up as free agents. Who would you say are the top two or three guys that come 4 o'clock Eastern, uh, certainly, as people are already starting sure. to negotiate now, that you'll bid, that it'll be eye-opening kind of numbers that yeah. maybe, uh, maybe people aren't anticipating? Okay, so surprise, guys. I mean, I don't know if you'd be surprised by Trey Flowers getting a big contract, but I think he'll be in the $16, $17 million a year range. Preston Smith, who's sort of been a complimentary pass rusher in Washington, could wind up getting 14 or $15 million per. The Darius Smith is another one in Baltimore. I think maybe $12, $13 million per. And then those slot receivers, guys like Adam Humphreys in Tampa, um, Jamison Crowder in Washington, I think could get up to 9 or $10 million per, which – I mean, is, is, again, way more than slot receivers have gotten in the past. 
Um, and, and then, you know, I think guys like Anthony Barr and C.J. Mosley, who are established linebackers, could reset the market at that position. Um, and I, I think all this spending is coming because, I mean, in the middle of last week, there was over a billion dollars in cap space across the NFL, which is an amazing number. Uh, has caused some teams to try and explore the trade market a little bit more aggressively. So you're looking for deals like Olivier Vernon and Kevin Zeitler and Coleccio Semley. That's why you see those older veterans moving now, because teams are looking at it and saying, we'd rather bring in these veterans on non-guaranteed contracts, trade for them, than go and get crazy in the free agent market. And so, uh, yeah, I think there's going to be some crazy spending out there and a lot of names um, you know, getting very, very rich that, that the casual fan may not have heard of. What happens with Deshaun Jackson? He said he wanted out back in October down in Tampa Bay. I think he's going to be 32 years old. Talk that maybe he could go back to Philadelphia. I would imagine there yeah. are other teams potentially interested in him because he still seems to have that downfield, uh, take the top off the defense possibilities. What are you hearing about him? I think Bruce Arians wants to keep him. Um, whether or not the, the you know uh, Jason Light and the crew there decide that's what's best, I mean, we'll see. I, you know, I think that they're open for business as far as trade calls. Um, but I, my, my sense has been that Bruce Arians wants him there. Uh, he's the type of downfield weapon that Arians loves. Um, and the Tampa's willingness to, to not even make a real effort to keep Adam Humphreys, um, their slot receiver, tells me that um, they're at least very much toying with the idea right now of, of keeping Deshaun Jackson on board, given Bruce Arians' wish. All right, last question for you. You hinted at earlier, and we're talking to Albert Breer. Go follow him on Twitter at Albert Breer. Uh, SI Monday morning quarterback uh, lead writer. When you uh, uh, look at the uh, the draft, you said you're not sure exactly what the Raiders might do, but maybe with the decision to go with Antonio Brown signifies they they may not be necessarily in the quarterback market. Do you think that the Cardinals are going to take Kyler Murray number one overall? And if so, what sort of options will they have with Josh Rosen? I do think that they're that, that, that they're going to take Kyler Murray. Now I'm not reporting anything. I don't think right. the decision's been made yet, but but I do think that they're taking him. I, I uh, look. This boils down to taking a big swing on Cliff Kingsbury, and if you're going to take a big swing on a guy who just got fired from a Big 12 school, who I think is a really good offensive mind, um, and whose specialty is to work with quarterbacks, and that guy comes to you, if you're Steve Kahn and or Michael Bidwell, and says, "This is my guy. This is the guy who can make my offense fly." You have to listen to him. You already went all in on the coach. So if this is his quarterback, you got to go all in, in, in on that quarterback. And I talked to Lincoln Riley about this a couple weeks ago. And Lincoln played with Cliff Kingsbury at Texas Tech, coached against him the last four years. And Lincoln told me that he thinks Kyle is a perfect fit for what Cliff wants to do. So I think Cliff is going to, I think Cliff is going to advocate for Kyler. I think ultimately they do wind up taking Kyler. And here's what's really interesting about Josh Rosen's play is that there are these teams out there, Pittsburgh, New England, uh, the Chargers, the Packers, the Saints, that have older, established quarterbacks and are eventually going to have to find successors. And those teams are too good to really draft one. You know, they're, they're, over the next three, four years, or those teams, it's going to be tough for those teams to, to find a way to get the next guy because they're too good. They don't draft high enough. So they're going to have to get creative. So I would, I, I, I would think that that would be where the market would be for Rosen. You know, if you're the Los Angeles Chargers, do you flip the 28th pick to go get Josh Rosen and put him behind Phillip Rivers for a couple of years? I think that's where the market is for, for, for Rosen. So you've got your obvious teams like your Washingtons and your Miami's that could be interested. But I would keep a close eye on all those teams that have older quarterbacks that are going to need to 
to, to, to get creative to find a successor. This could be a solution for that. Outstanding stuff as always, my man. We need to get you on more often, but I appreciate you getting up. Go read Albert's work at SI at Monday Morning Quarterback. Appreciate it, my man. All right, thanks, bye. That's Albert Breer. Go follow him on Twitter. When we come back, final segment of Hour 2. Remember, we got Bruce Pearl and we have got uh, Alex Marvez lined up for Hour 3 as well. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. Uh, I told you at the top of the show, reinforce it here, we're going to be live on television, FS1, lock it in, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of next week, the opening weekend of the NCAA tournament. Should be pretty phenomenal. Can't wait. Uh, We're going to be at the MGM Grand for those of you in the Vegas area or who might be out there for the NCAA tournament. Should be a lot of fun to set up and do a live broadcast there. So that is on uh, the horizon. Um, Also, we're going to do an OutKick VIP meetup. You can sign up for the OutKick VIP if you go to OutKick.com and go click into our store, get an autographed copy of my latest book, and we'll do a a private meetup for the VIP members. We did it last year. It was a lot of fun, and uh, and it'll be going on in Las Vegas again next week. Uh, Those details will be on the OutKick VIP message board. So encourage you guys to uh, either sign up for the VIP or be aware of, uh, of what's going on there. Also, uh, I want to thank Albert Breer, and you guys do a great job of this. We don't really pay uh, hardly anybody to come on this show. In fact, we don't pay anybody. Fox Sports Radio has got some guys who come on a variety of different shows, and they may be under contract. But what I have found is the most valuable thing that a listener can do is go thank guests who come on. Because we're on early in the morning. Guys got to wake up early to come on with us. And so if you have the opportunity to uh, to go thank somebody, uh, Albert Breer, Bruce Pearl about to join us, as well as Alex Marvez, uh, if you enjoy their, their guest segments, and you're on social media, and I know a lot of you aren't on social media, but if you are, he's at Albert Breer, just uh, go thank him for coming on. And I thought the most interesting thing that Albert Breer said with us was he does think that the Cardinals are going to go with Kyler Murray and that that then puts Josh Rosen on the trading block, which is a pretty wild story, right? When you really break that down, because I can't even remember a recent history in the NFL, and you guys may be able to think of one. If you can think of one, you can tweet me. But where a first-round pick got... Uh, traded in the second year that he is with the team. That's unheard of. Now, obviously, you've got a new quarterback situation because you may have a new coach situation and everything got kind of redone there in Arizona. But I can't even remember. And again, I'm not saying a guy who got hurt. I'm not saying a guy who got beat out by somebody else. I'm saying if Josh Rosen gets traded... I can't ever remember a first-round quarterback getting traded after one year in the NFL. This sets a new precedent because most of the time, guys draft a quarterback in the first round, they're saying, okay, I'm not willing to cut bait. I mean, it's rare for a first-round pick, period, to get traded after a year, but particularly in the quarterback position, I can't even think of one where after year one, the team just says, hey, you know what? We're done. We're going to go draft another first-round quarterback and we're going to move on from you. And I thought Albert Breer named a lot of different teams that have veteran quarterbacks that might be interested in trading for Josh Rosen. If you liked him coming out of UCLA, well, he went number 10 overall, a huge high draft pick. 
why wouldn't you go ahead, potentially, if you could get him for a second or a third round pick, maybe even a late first round pick? I think late first round is probably a little bit too high, but I would think there would be a lot of teams that would be at least somewhat intrigued with the idea of buying a Josh Rosen stock on the cheap. Last year, he's a top 10 pick. This year, you might be able to get him for a second or third pick and put him on your bench and wait to see whether or not you know you have a long-range quarterback of your future. I think that's an amazingly intriguing story to be following. Uh, but it does sound like the offshore odds have now got Kyler Murray uh, at like minus 300 to be the overall number one pick in this draft, uh, which means that that Cliff Kingsbury and Arizona gamble may really be intriguing. But again, if you can even think of a first-round quarterback to be traded after a year, I, I can't even remember happening in the history of the NFL. All right, when we come back, we're going to be joined by Auburn basketball coach Bruce Pearl. And then after that, we're going to talk with Alex Marvez, our NFL insider. All that and more still coming in Hour 3. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us here on OutKick. Live from the Geico OutKick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. And we're brought to you by TrueCar. When it comes to selling or trading in your car, you need to make good choices. And with TrueCar... You've got a star on your roster, so when you're ready to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car. True Cash offer not available in all areas. It is March Madness. We're set to be joined here momentarily by Auburn basketball coach Bruce Pearl at Coach uh, Bruce Pearl on Twitter. Big win over the weekend for Auburn over Tennessee. My top eight as it speaks right now, uh, if I were on the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee, This is how I would have the top eight teams laid out. UVA is my overall number one. Gonzaga as my number two. UNC and Kentucky three and four. Those would all be my one seeds. So I would go UVA, Gonzaga, UNC, Kentucky as my one seeds. Right now, my two seeds, I would have Tennessee, Michigan State, LSU, and Duke in that order. Those would be my top eight. We obviously have been talking a lot about Antonio Brown to the Oakland Raiders and what that means. I encourage you to go download the podcast so you don't miss anything from our first two hours associated with that. Um, and we will talk about that with Alex Marvez coming up next uh, segment as Alex Marvez joins us to break down looming free agency in the NFL, which will start at 4 o'clock Eastern on Wednesday. But first, we talk with Auburn men's basketball coach Bruce Pearl, who we are going to call for you right now. We will have him back with you. Auburn right now, if you look at the bracket matrix, which I love to do, kind of the bracket project overall to get a sense on where guys are slotted in. Auburn right now is right now, let's see, this is everybody who rates teams. They have them as a six seed right at around the top 25 team. Bruce Pearl, when you hear Auburn is a six seed, does that sound about right? How would you assess your team as you head into the SEC basketball tournament? Hey, Clay, good morning. Uh, yeah, I think that's about right. Um, you know, we're 17 in the net, uh, which is uh, which is what they say they're going to use as far as slotting teams, so that gets us closer to the 4-5 line. But I do think we're probably going to be more a 5-6 at this point. And you know what? You play your way into – um, you know, whatever city you possibly can get to. Uh, the key to advancing in tournament play is matchups and seating. So the seating is really important. 
when you so you had a lot of success, six straight NCAA tournaments with Tennessee. Then you have to sit out a couple of years. You go to Auburn, you go uh, 15 and 20, 11 and 20, and then in year three, you go 18 and 14. But I believe that was 13th, 13th, and 11th in the SEC. Did mm-hmm. you start to doubt yourself at all during those three years? Yeah, I, I, I would. Uh, I would think that in my last year, uh, uh, by that third year, I had a really good young team, um, and that was a foundation. That was Jared Harper's freshman year, um, Mustafa Heron's freshman year, uh, Austin Wiley had a half a semester with us, and it wasn't all working like it had at Tennessee or at Milwaukee or at Southern Indiana, and I I, I did. Uh, have to question, you know, not have I lost the mojo? Um, is is what I'm doing now that I was doing back at Tennessee? Is that not working anymore? You know, what is it? And um, you know, in reality, that's not true. It, it, it wasn't the mojo. It wasn't the system. Um, it was just taking time to change a culture. It was taking time to to, to um, we had done we had done we had been we'd not been competitive. At Auburn for many many years, that takes time to change that locker room about how we train, how we study, how we serve in a community, how we compete, how we handle adversity, and um, and, and I think that we're beginning to experience the fruits of that labor now. Uh, you got the SEC championship in year four, um, and obviously you're you're going to make the NCAA tournament again now in year five. Uh, did you change anything? Because I always think that's interesting. Is you had a lot of success at Tennessee, six straight NCAA tournaments. You had a lot of success at Wisconsin-Milwaukee, and eventually, uh, you know, I know you built up and, and had a lot of success in, in the lower levels there in Evansville. It's Southern Indiana, I believe it was. Did yep. you change anything at Auburn? Like, when you go back and you reassess, because I think for a lot of people out there, especially in coaching, but I think this is instructive for people, whatever they do in their life, you can have a lot of success and then suddenly you, you kind of tap out or whatever and you start to say, well, what am I doing differently? Do I need to change anything? How do you self-assess? How, how do you do something like that to get to the next level? And I think it's fair to say you've taken Auburn basketball to the next level when you're winning SEC championships there. You know, you, you, uh, nobody is harder on you than you. Um, nobody's harder on your offense or what you're doing defensively. And we watch a lot of tape. And so you're, you're constantly looking at other systems and other ways of doing things. And we're always, we're always begging, borrowing, and stealing. We're always robbing from one another. Oh, that's a good look. Hey, that's a, I'm going to run that Rick Barnes out of bounds play. I mean, that was, and so, you, you, but the question is, does it all fit? Can you put it all together in a system and a philosophy? Now, one of the things that, one thing that does make things change are the rules. When the rules change, you got to change. And so, um, when they, uh, there are a lot of rules right now in college basketball that don't let you full court press. And Clay, if you remember at Tennessee, we were always a 94 foot team as far as how we pressed. Well, they basically virtually ruled trapping out of the game. And I'm not complaining, I'm just saying that's the way the rules are. And so we were no longer able to uh, be as aggressive in our full court defense. So you know what I did? I started to be more aggressive in the man and the drop back. I, I had to learn to change defenses more. Um, and keep people off balance, and still create tempo with our half-court not defense, not just our full-court defense. And that was a big adjustment. We're talking to Auburn men's basketball coach Bruce Pearl. Uh, Bruce, I, one of the things that I'm fascinated by is the rise of the three-pointer in basketball in general. Certainly in the NBA, it has changed the game completely. I believe your guys shot 34 threes 
uh, against Tennessee. And really, in the second half, you got hot, and that's what won you the game. Uh, what's the right number of threes to shoot? Do you go into a game with an idea of, hey, we need to shoot X number of threes in a game? And what's it feel like as a coach? Because it seems to me like three-point shooting is very much a rhythmic-based thing where you can miss eight or nine in a row and then you hit five in a row. It has to kind of change the philosophy of how you coach, right? Because those baskets are so valuable that if you string a few together, it can change everything. There's no question. I mean, look, mathematically, uh, analytically, uh, the three ball makes sense. Clay, I've always been a fan of the inside three-point play. That's the best play in basketball, and one. And um, but the second-best play uh, is the open three-point shot. Um, it, uh, I think it's not so many how many we need to take, but when we make 10 or more, you know, we win. And, um, and so what does it take to make 10 or more? It's an open shot. If you think, what do you do defensively? Defensively, we try and make people make tough twos. We try and make them make contested twos, tough shots, and score over us. I'm hopeful that most of the three balls we shoot are open shots, maybe late contests off a short closeout. So if we're shooting outside threes and inside threes, I think that's the best of both worlds, and that's the kind of try to offense spread spread ball screen, um, you know, have guys, one of the keys would be, can you teach or can you allow, um, or can, or do you have the guts to let your big kids shoot the basketball? And can you recruit that way? My bigs have always faced, they've always been, Wayne Chisholm was a great example of one of the best shooting big guys in the SEC way, way back in the day. And this whole three-point thing, this is not new for me. I've been do we've been doing it this way for a long, long time, and uh, it just the rest of the country's now just get, the Golden State Warriors are really just now catching up to me. That's what, <laughs> that's, what it, that's what it comes down to. We're talking to uh, to Bruce Pearl. Be honest. Do you wish as big of a win as it was for Auburn on Saturday? Do you wish you had been knocking Kentucky or LSU out of a share of the SEC championship yes. instead of Tennessee? Yep. Yeah. Honestly, yes. Um, because of Tennessee, because of Rick Barnes, because of the way that team's built. I told Rick, um, I said, listen, before the game, I said, you know, you may or may not be the best team in the league or in the country, but I can tell you that you're the best coached and you're the best prepared. Um, that, that, that in this year, um, and, and, and I think that um, Tennessee has got great talent, but I think Kentucky – LSU, I might even I might even throw Mississippi State in there. Um, uh, might be as talented, maybe more, but but they play so purposefully. They they value possessions. Uh, they play hard defensively. They're physical. Um, I think Rick and I think Rick's done a, uh, the, uh, the best job in the league this year from that standpoint. How good is the SEC this year? This week, uh, you're headed to Nashville. There are, I think, a lot of teams that feel like they have a shot to win the SEC basketball tournament. you got three top ten teams in Tennessee, in Kentucky, and in LSU. How good is this conference? Well, look, Clay, the difference between this year and last year. Last year, Tennessee and Auburn were the two best teams in the league. Well, we, we went into the tournament limping with seven scholarship players that were healthy and eligible. And, um, and had an amazing year a year ago. But we were not built to represent the SEC as the number one seed uh, in the conference tournament or in the NCAA tournament with, with uh, gosh, I think we were a four. We were. Um, and then, uh, but, but this year, 
going into the tournament as as a tied for fourth in the SEC instead of tied for first a year ago, we might be a little better than we were a year ago going into the tournament. So that means that the three or four teams that are above us are a lot better. I mean, LSU, uh, uh, Kentucky, and Tennessee are all built to all have a chance to get to the Final Four. Now, who knows what happens with LSU and that roster, uh, Kentucky. Uh, this is one of the best jobs John Calipari's ever done, in my opinion. Uh, he's got a group of guys. The, the, the difference is he's always had great talent. But, but one of the things he, uh, he got when he, in recruiting, all right, Keldon Johnson is a warrior and a competitor. All right, uh, Tyler Euro wants to win. Uh, Aston Higgins is a completely different kind of point guard than we've had before, better defensively than offensively, and a playmaker. And, and, and he brought in some dudes that were great off the court as well as on the court. John's always had to kind of take a bunch of all-stars and mold them into team players. He had some all-stars that already came in as team players, and he's done a brilliant job with Kentucky. I, I bet on Kentucky. I'm just telling you, bet on Kentucky. To me, they're the team that still has the greatest upside of all the teams in our league. So those three teams in our league do have a chance to get to the Final Four, and we didn't have that a year ago. When you prepare for the the tournament, you mentioned LSU. How do you factor in Will Wade being out? How do you factor in who might or might not be playing for LSU? I know you've been through some of these problems yourself over the years. But usually I don't think most of it has happened necessarily right in the middle of the season to suddenly be changing a coach and things like that. How do you prep for that? Now, trust me, it's, it's a lot more difficult to lose a player than a coach. Um, I mean, uh, those are the guys out there scoring, rebounding, and playing. Uh, you know, I, I think that uh, and Will's, Will's done a great job. Look, when I was out of coaching, I'll tell you a quick story, Clay. When I was out of coaching, um, Will, Will Wade was a, was a head coach at Tennessee Chattanooga. And I uh, was, uh, you know, I, I was out. And I went down, I called him, and I said, hey, Will, this is Bruce Pearl. Uh, and I had never really met him. I said, I'd like to come watch you practice. And he's like, what is Bruce Pearl doing coming to watch me practice? I'm in Tennessee Chattanooga. Just saying, I recognized talent, recognized his ability when he was there. Then he was doing really good stuff offensively. And doesn't surprise me to see the success he's had. But like when you have an injury, Clay, next man up, you've got to prepare your roster and your staff for the next man up. And so how are we going to be able to, um, you know, do it without uh, Javante Smart if, if we don't have him or without our coach? And, and that's how they'll proceed. And they're deep, and they're really talented. The, uh, the impact of something like that, when you look back on your career now, the, it seems to me that you got, and I've been saying this for years, and I know you haven't said it as much because you, you obviously can't talk about it as much, but when you look back on it now, do you feel like, my God, like the fact that I was out of coaching for three years was, was crazy when you look at some of the things that are going on in the world of college basketball and for it being a, a cookout? I mean, of all the things, I mean, do you think about that at all now or have you just completely put that behind you? No, Clay, I, I still think about it, but you've got to own it. Uh, the most important thing I can do is, is lead um, by being accountable. Uh, by Regardless of whether it was a cookout or, or, or what it was, um, um, you know, you've got to be accountable for the mistake. And, and whatever the, the mistake is, there's some errors in judgment, they come with a punishment. Now, you know, has the punishments that have been handed out been inconsistent? Um, 
yes, I, I you know, did. Did Tennessee? Uh, how did Tennessee handle it? When when I'm out there working for the university in a very difficult capacity, a very challenging capacity, um, when it was all said and done, did they stand by me? And the answer is no. They um, they, they they decided as part of their penalty they would go ahead and fire their coach um, and move forward. And and you know sometimes in life you've got to make those decisions in leadership. But sometimes I think there are a lot of times when when if you are um, can see past that. Uh, maintain some level of loyalty, sometimes you get rewarded for that, too. So while I want to be completely accountable for my, my mistakes and said, hey, I put myself in that position, I didn't take care of the program as best I possibly could, you could also look to all the other things that we did and said and put it in perspective. Tennessee could have stayed with me, and they chose not to. They did not need to fire me, and they did. Uh, we're talking to Bruce Pearl. One of the things that I think is challenging, you mentioned the difficulty of players and, and whether or not, you know, when you have an injury. Uh, Duke has got Zion Williamson. And I know you're not just a, a great coach. You're also a huge college basketball fan. How would you approach a guy like Zion getting hurt? If you were if you had the good fortune to have that that man child that you were coaching this year and you had him at Auburn and he, and he hurts his knee like he did – down the stretch and you can see obviously how impactful he is for a team like Duke how do you approach the player injury looking ahead you've had guys go into the NBA too. give the best advice for both the player and the team simultaneously how much of a conflict can that sometimes be uh, the, the best way to handle it it's a real simple question you handle it just like you would handle any other student athlete you know you let the trainers and the doctors tell you when they're ready you're, 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 you're the coach and when they're ready, you play them. And you don't exercise a greater level of caution because this player may be the first player picked in the draft than you would uh, another player. The, I, I just, you know, the only thing that would make it different would be maybe somebody in their senior year uh, at the end of their career that was not going to go on and play professionally, and, and, and they were willing to rush back through something and pay, play through a little pain or whatever. There's a difference between pain and injury. If he's injured, he can't play. And if you treat him all the same in that regard, then you put that, then that's the best possible solution. And I don't want to hear about the fact that that uh, that he should have shut it down. Let me tell you something. Going to Zion Williamson was a terrific high school player from Spartanburg, South Carolina. The world did not know about him. The NBA did not have him as the number one player taken. Ed, now they, they they would have figured it out, but they figured it out at Duke. They figured it out now. His marketability is a hundred times what it was in clay. You know the difference between being uh, in a small market, uh, working your way up through the you know through the through the ranks, and then all of a sudden getting into Nashville, people recognizing the ability and the talent, and then all of a sudden, boom! Some different doors open for you. You know, uh, you weren't one and done, and and you didn't have to shut it down. You had to actually prove that you were worth listening to, and and your opinions mattered. And, 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 and so stop with, the, with, with, with this college stuff doesn't do these kids any good. That is, that is not accurate. And, 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 and when it comes to one and done, you know, the one and done thing is not broke. It's, it's, it's not. Because when, when those Kentucky kids from, from you know, years, they lose in the NCAA tournament, and there's tears in that locker room because they know they got to go to the NBA and they can't go back to Kentucky, and they didn't win a national championship in Kentucky. Tells you those kids loved what they were at. They've always got a landing place. Zion Williamson, if he, if his, he's going to have a great NBA career, but let's say that knee is broke. Let's say it, it, it's, it's not, but let's say it is. 
He's always going to be able to go back to Duke. He's going to get his education, and, and, and it's a great thing to have, whether he becomes a star or not. Cam Newton came back to Auburn and, and, and is an Auburn man and graduated. He only played for Auburn for one year. But I guarantee you, yeah, he may end his career with the Panthers, and I hope he does, but he's still an Auburn man because of his year here and his ability to come back and get a degree. That system is working. Bruce Pearl, what is I watched the Kentucky game with you guys, and you almost came back and won that one, and you had Charles Barkley baseline. I think you're as good as anybody about making a big-time event happen in an arena. I mean, just an exciting, vibrant, exhilarating experience. What's Charles Barkley worked to Auburn basketball? Oh, you can't even, you, Clay, you can't even put a price tag on it because of the man he is. I mean, this is as good a man as, as I know. Uh, I've never met anybody, uh, and I, I would put Pat Summit right there with Charles, but I might even put Charles a step up, a step up. He's not been affected by a success. He feels so blessed to be in the position that he is in. He treats the average person and the stranger uh, as well as he treats somebody, uh, anybody else. He takes time for people. Um, he's kind. He's very generous. He's very philanthropic. Yes, he's very opinionated. Yes, he's very entertaining. Uh, yes, he'll speak from his heart sometimes first. But I tell you what, he's a real deal, man. He's the real deal. And, and, he's, a, and he's loved and embraced this program. Um, he called me when I was a coach at Tennessee a few years before I was no longer the coach at Tennessee. He, he, just, he left me a message on my secretary's phone saying, Coach Pearl, this is Charles Barkley. You don't know me. We've never met. You don't need to call me back. But then he went on to say some things about the way my teams played and how he thought I coached. And that was it. Dude, really? Who is this guy? <laughs> and then I became his coach here at Auburn. And let me tell you something. Win or lose, when I need a phone call, when I need a text, when I need some support, um, and obviously he has helped legitimize what we do. He's, he, 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 he feels good about me running this basketball program. He's, he's glad that I'm his coach, and that goes a long way. Last question for you. Who's the best team in college basketball that you have seen so far this year? Well, I saw Duke and Gonzaga out in uh, Maui, and I would say that you know the Zags have got a chance because they've got incredible size. They, they can play man or zone. They're tough. They're well-coached. The only question is going to be, having gone into the league that they were in for, you know, for, the, for the winter, uh, can they come out of the, that hibernation when they have to step up in the, in, in the, the, the last couple rounds? Um, they very well could be the best team in the league, um, in the country. Um, I would then go with either somebody out of the SEC. Um, I, 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 if, Duke, if Duke gets Zion back, I'd say they, they probably uh, would be right there as well. Outstanding stuff, Coach. Be watching you in the SEC basketball tournament and then rooting for you when the NCAA tournament gets rolling. I will right, well, you the next time we come on. We're talking politics, not, not basketball. Deal? <laughs> Good luck with that. That's Bruce Pearl at Coach Bruce Pearl on Twitter as he gets ready for March Madness with Auburn coming off a big win over Tennessee. His Auburn Tigers seated right around the number six spot. Uh, we're going to be joined by Alex Marvez up next. We'll come back. We'll break down the Antonio Brown trade. Uh, Oakland Raiders, what did they win? What did the Steelers lose? And what do we expect to see with free agency 
on the horizon a little bit less than a little bit more than two days Wednesday four Eastern NFL free agency arrives we'll break that down with Alex Marvez next Antonio Brown NFL free agency and more we discuss on Fox Sports Radio Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app search FSR to listen live Hey, it's Jonas Knox, and you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o o who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. We got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes. Cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. Hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini-games like Digging for Treasure or a Robot Pachinko Machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! What's the secret to catching prize-worthy fish in exotic waters? Learning to fish like a local with Fishing Booker. Hey, Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. There's only one way to turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day, and that's with the valuable knowledge of a local guide. With FishingBooker.com, you have the world's largest booking platform of local fishing guides right at your fingertips. Use Fishing Booker's easy-to-use online booking system and discover thousands of local fishing charters from around the world ready to share their tricks of the trade create your perfect fishing experience and search for charters by location species salt versus freshwater and more plus it's smooth sailing with fishing bookers simple online payment method you'll always fish with confidence when you start fishing like a local start your angling adventure now with fishing booker visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today fishing booker fishing trips made easy 
Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of BF Goodrich tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. It doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com sports to see their BF Goodrich test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. And be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires and a great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash sports. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. I wish it was Friday. Monday edition. I was thinking about how I can't wait for the big games coming up, college basketball. How good was Bruce Pearl, by the way? Just absolutely fantastic. We're joined now by Alex Marvez. Follow him on Twitter, at Alex Marvez. News, Alex, as we bring you in. Danny Amendola signing a slot receiver contract with the Detroit Lions, leaving the Miami Dolphins. Anything surprise you about that? Um, no, I mean, you're looking at a Patriots reunion there. and You know, this is sometimes what, what teams do when, quite honestly, they haven't been able to identify new talent. I mean, Danny Amendola is 34 years old, and I don't think for him particularly as being a difference maker. They're spending $4 million on this guy up to $5.75 million reportedly in incentives. And, you know, they're the team that traded Golden Tate. I, I You know, I, I just don't have a lot of confidence in this Detroit Lions brain trust. We'll see how they handle it this offseason. But play, I didn't see anything last year that inspired me to think, wow, this Detroit team is really headed in the right direction, you know, as an organization, as a roster. I, I don't know if you did, but it's just, ugh. Uh Antonio Brown wins big. How much did the Steelers lose here? They lost significantly on a number of levels. First, it's the compensation, right? I mean, because what happens is now with this dead money that counts against the cap, $21 million, by, by trading Antonio Brown, they only clear a million dollars in space. And that doesn't give you any money to go out and get any, to even try to get someone comparable in free agency, right? I mean, they're a team that's a little bit cap strong as it is. And, you know, they paid the price on a couple levels. First, they had been paying Antonio Brown and restructuring his contract on a yearly basis to give him more money. You know, people, oh, you know, poor Antonio Brown underpaid and he fought the system and he did fight the system and win, but it's not like Antonio Brown was making minimum salaries. What the Steelers would do, and it's a bit of an antiquated system, would be to restructure his contract every year and by doing so and giving him more guaranteed money, his cap number in future years would get bigger and bigger. The Steelers had never any intention of getting rid of Antonio Brown. So you look at last year when they gave him like a million-dollar base salary, but they've given him so much guaranteed money, they considered him to be part of their team for years to come and a player whose contract you could keep renegotiating. Well, not so much, right? And then only trade him for a third and fifth-round pick because despite what Drew Rosenhaus may have said on NFL Network or wherever it was that he was on, uh, the, the point is that Antonio Brown did scuttle the trade from you know Pittsburgh to Buffalo because there was a real feeling, talking to my folks who know this, that Antonio wasn't going to show up, that he just was refusing to play for the Buffalo Bills. And you talk about something dumb as well by the Buffalo Bills. Why do you even go down this road, Clay, if you're not prepared to redo Antonio Brown's contract? I mean, were you thinking that he was going to happily show up in Buffalo and play for his current salary when you start getting into trade talks with the Pittsburgh Steelers? Why even go down that road if you're not prepared to, to pay the guy? 
right? Because you knew he wasn't going to show up without a raise. They should have known that a couple of years ago. LaShawn McCoy was there with the Philadelphia Eagles. He gets traded to Buffalo. It was basically the same thing. The Bills opted to pay him. I don't know why they wouldn't pay Antonio Brown. It's not like it was that huge a price, uh, you know, that the Raiders paid. Oh, and on top of that, they've got $70 million in cash space. They now don't have a number one wide receiver. The Raiders do, and the Steelers only get third and fifth round compensation uh, from the Oakland Raiders. So, yeah, tough, tough blow for the Steelers, but they just felt that Antonio Brown was someone that they needed to get rid of as quickly as possible so they could retool for the 2019 season. Wednesday 4 Eastern is the NFL start of free agency. What do you expect to happen soon after the free agency 4 o'clock Eastern deadline is hit? Because you can work things out right now. Uh, What are the storylines that you think are going to pop big on that Wednesday? Well, see, that's the thing. Like, play. I, I honestly think Wednesday's like it's, it's anticlimactic. Yeah, I think what you're going to start to see is really starting at noon today. You know, all of the agents will leak out the information about who they're signing and the contracts that they've gotten for their players, and that the that the terms are set. And really, all you're getting is pen to paper at that point, or trades becoming official. Uh, you know, with teams like that. So, you know, you get a second wave of free agency. There may be some players who are released at the last second on Tuesday before the start of the league calendar year. Uh, that hit the free agent market and caused teams to, to recalibrate what they're doing. You know, let's say, for example, Deshaun Jackson. If the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are unable to trade him. They hold on to him to the very last second, then they let him go. How quickly is a team going to pounce on, on him, especially if they end up losing out on some players now? But look, Le'Veon Bell, everyone wants to see what is it that, that he ends up making. And, you know, how much money did he actually end up losing by sitting out for an entire season and that $14.6 million that remained on the table? And, by the way, that does help the Pittsburgh Steelers some when it comes to Antonio Brown because they can carry that money over, that empty cap space that Le- because Le'Veon Bell didn't sign. So it does provide them some relief. But most of the deals are going to be done now. I'm curious about Jacksonville. I mean, it's just all this speculation about Ryan Tannehill and Nick Foles showing up at Jacksonville. Why would Nick Foles sign with Jacksonville then? If you're going to have to fight for your job, it doesn't. And why would you make Nick Foles fight for his job if you sign Ryan Tannehill, unless you consider Ryan a second-string quarterback? And I'm curious what his price tag would be. So that one just sounds a little bit odd, but it is the Jags, and you know they've been doing some odd things as of late. So we'll see how that that one pans out. But really, play everything's going to be done in the next 48 hours, and you'll see a lot of expenditures. Big other thing too is: do any of these franchise tag players, like a Frank Clark or a D Ford, do they get traded? Uh, because the teams that, that have the franchise tag on them just think that they can't re-sign them to long-term deals, while others out there could, uh, plus in Kansas City's case with the defensive turnover that they're having, the D Ford really fit in with what Steve Spagnuolo is putting in as far as a 4-3 defense. D is not the, the stoutest of guys. I don't know how great he would be against the run, but he's awfully good rushing the passer. So another name to watch when it comes to trade talks. But a lot of the stuff now is going to be done within the next 36 hours. Who do you think is going to sign the biggest contracts who's currently a free agent? Well, you know, it's funny because it won't be a quarterback, right? And, you know, when we look at who's the hottest guy out there, I think Le'Veon Bell is probably going to be pretty much near the top of the market, right? I mean, because look at at the talent out there in free agency. Clay, this isn't all that exciting, right? We don't have a preeminent pass rusher. Someone was going to spend on Dante Fowler Jr. It ends up being the Rams and keeping him for one year at $14 million. But there's just no – I mean, Trent Brown, do you, do you, does he float your boat at left tackle? I mean, is he someone who, who's going to cash in? Last year it was Nate Solder with the largest contract in the history of the NFL for left tackles at $15.4 million. Do, do people believe that Nate Solder is that caliber of player? 
I mean, Clay, there's just nobody out there. I mean, Earl Thomas is going to be fascinating because, look, he's a big name and, you know, the pursuit of the Cowboys, and I think the 49ers are in on him as well because they could pair him with Richard Sherman, and he knows the Robert Sala defense, you know, the type of Seattle cover three that they play. But there's just, you know, in free agency this year, there's just nothing that's all that exciting. There isn't a bona fide number one wide receiver out there. There isn't really a quarterback that, you know, like Kirk Cousins that's going to command that type of contract. There isn't a pass rusher out there that's going to be making, you know, record-setting type numbers. And there's no shutdown corner that really is, is, you know, atop the bidding as well. So I think what you get is if teams are going to, you know, listen, they, when I say overpay, look, they set up the cap space. They've got to make moves to try to get their roster better. And in many cases, they can't wait for the draft and for players to develop down the road. Guys are, you know, GMs are fighting for their jobs now. Coaches are fighting for their jobs. They need immediate relief. So you spend a little bit more in free agency on these players simply because that's what the market is bearing, and you just don't have a ton of free agents this year that, that really blow you away. Outstanding stuff as always. Alex Marvez, we will talk to you uh, next week. Can't wait, Clark. Thank you, sir. Uh, that is Alex Marvez. When we come back, I'll give you my top eight teams in college basketball if I were on the NCAA selection committee to seed and we got an unbelievable animal Thunderdome for you involving a Jaguar, a Selfie, and the state of Arizona. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. Let me get a couple of details here for you. My top eight right now, college basketball, as we come into March Madness. UVA, uh, these are my four one seeds in order. UVA, Gonzaga, UNC, and Kentucky. Those would be my four number ones if I was on the NCAA selection committee. UVA, Gonzaga, UNC, Kentucky. But a lot still to come in the conference basketball tournaments that could change things. My two seeds in order would be Tennessee, Michigan State, LSU, and then Duke in the eight spot. We'll see what happens with Zion. A couple little factoids for you here before we hit the Animal Thunderdome. This is great uh, detail right now. Uh, Antonio Brown, flat out, he won in this dispute with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, He gets a $30 million now in full guarantees, an $11 million raise over three years, and he's now going to make $19.8 million per year. Antonio Brown got into a dispute with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and guess what? He won. They lost. Steelers only get a third and a fifth round. They have to deal with $21 million in dead cap space for Antonio Brown. Congratulations to Antonio. He's in better shape, certainly, than this woman was who decided she wanted a selfie with a Jaguar. It's time for the Animal Thunderdome. Is there any audio with it? Ladies and gentlemen. I'm just glad I was there. Boys and girls. I thought he thought I was like this ginormous piece of chicken. Dying times here. This is Animal Thunderdome. There are hundreds of people dying every year, and that's not even an exaggeration from selfie accidents now. Like, oh, I'm going to get to the edge of this cliff and take a perfect picture. Oh, wait, I just fell and plummeted to my death. It's probably not going to make a great viral moment after all. And this woman in Arizona decided... Hey, there's the Jaguars over the fence. I wonder what would happen if I got closer to them so I could take a selfie. What happened, Danny G? Oh, yeah, this woman at the Wildlife World Zoo in Litchfield Park, which is right outside of Phoenix, she was trying to get the selfie. She reached over the the barrier, and this Jaguar took her arm and started to shred it. 
They threw a water bottle in to distract it. The Jaguar started to play with a water bottle as they tended to her, and you could hear her whimpering in the back of this. I mean, she climbed over a fence to get a better picture of herself with the Jaguar yes. in the background. Yes, she was trying to get uh, yes, a, of course. a selfie with her and the Jaguar in the shot. I mean, I know we uh, do the Animal Thunderdome, but I almost feel like the woman should just be left with the Jaguar. Like, if you are a grown <laughs> oh, person, man. I mean, seriously, if you are a grown person and you decide to climb over a fence to get a selfie taken with a wild animal, and then other people have to risk their health in order to save you, like, I don't blame the Jaguar here at all. This person, this knucklehead, this idiot woman is entirely to blame. Like, if you're a kid and you don't know any better, like that kid who got in the Harambe cage back in the day, like, okay, like you're a child, like you don't know any better, so you end up in an enclosure. But when you're an adult and you're just trying to get a selfie, yeah, I mean, this woman does, like, I, I well, you know, like do you blame the jaguar, the wild animal, because this idiot uh, woman came close to her? I think this cat, people are going to be careful now about even putting their arms near the barrier because... Jeff Allen told ABC 15 he was hurt by the same exact cat last summer, and he said he didn't climb over the barrier. He just reached up to take video, and this same jaguar reached its paw out and got his arm. All right, well, if the jaguar is able to get to people, that seems like a flaw in the cage, all right? That would be my number one analysis here would be if the jaguar is able to get to people. But if you climb over a barrier to get a selfie... And then the Jaguar happens to get to you. Is there a full video of this? The video that I've seen is afterwards where they're tending to her. But how, like, I want to know how much of a barrier she had to climb over in order to get close here. Yeah, that's a good question. Because you're telling me that another guy had previously gotten attacked by the same Jaguar. Like, that seems a little bit like a flaw in the uh, cage. Right? Yeah, it seems like you need to stay behind the barrier and not even put your hand up towards it because this jaguar obviously this girl was asking for it by putting her arm over the barrier i mean jaguar's gonna jaguar i don't know why uh, <laughs> why this woman's surprised uh when we come back tomorrow we'll have a loaded show for you i promise encourage you to download the podcast bruce pearl alex marvez albert breer lots of great nfl and college basketball discussion today i hope your monday is fantastic wherever you may be across the country or the world thanks for listening to outkick oh, 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 Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This 
is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.